<sighs> Praise God. Amen. I want you to go to Matthew 17, verse 1. You got any base you can put on that? I sound like a wimp. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Now I want to just, we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to search out and examine a faith that moves mountains. Amen. So. Amen. Matthew 17. Amen. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. As you read Scripture in New Testament, you will find that Jesus really loved going to the mountains. He would go up early in the morning. He would pray and all that. He'd like to get with the disciples and just, you know, spend time with them in the mountains. And it says that, and he was transfigured before them. Transfigured. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered. I don't know if he was asked a question or not. It, I really hadn't figured that out yet. But Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, I want to test your, your scripture remembering and uh, the things that you've read. What do you think they were going to talk about? Why would Moses and Elijah show up? Why, why were they there? Jesus is transfigured. Uh, you have to uh, get into the context of, of the, the word here and find out that they're heading towards Jerusalem and that Jesus there is going to be tried. He's going to be crucified. And so I probably would think that they were going to talk to Jesus about this crucifixion, resurrection, and all of that. But it's interesting because he is transfigured and his face shone like the sun. Mm -hmm. And his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Wasn't talking to Peter. And then he answered and said, Jesus, you know, do you want us to make three tabernacles? One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud. Do I need to change that? If it's not bugging you, it sure is me. Oh, okay, anyway. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Jesus commanded 
them saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Now this is interesting because he is talking plainly to them, and yet they have no clue what's going on. They heard him, but they didn't listen. Or they listened and didn't hear him or something because it wasn't clicking. Because it went against their what, what they wanted to happen. And so the disciples understood that he spoke to them about John the Baptist. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. They couldn't cast out whatever it was that was bothering the son. Then Jesus answered and he said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. Now this is, this is what we do often when things happen that doesn't quite line up with our theology. We, we come and we look, why could we not cast out the demon? Because Jesus had given them, he gave the twelve the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all of that, and yet this wouldn't happen. So this is a new problem for the disciples. It says, because of your unbelief. So we've heard the words mountain. We hear the word unbelief. And that's something that I, I really want to share with you is that uh, unbelief, as long as you keep yourself in unbelief or Satan holds you in unbelief, he has you in an arena of reason and he will beat us up every time. If we go to that reason and start wondering what's going on and so we have to come and we have to struggle with and find out. Sometimes I like to say we need to, you know, Lord, tell me why. Why am I going through these things? Is, is there a purpose? Can, can you share with me? Can you help me understand what's going on? But Jesus is, is angry. He just says, he says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? He was getting kind of edgy because in his time that he had within three and a half years of ministry to instill in the disciples that would become the apostles and they would also be the foundation of the church. They didn't have scripture. They had the Old Testament and the laws and all that. And so as they go into this, this new covenant the, they find out that they're going to have lots of run-ins with the religious leaders. And so 
they they know that God has given them power to cast out demons, but they just, you know, why could we not cast it out? And he says, because of your unbelief. And I want you just for a moment, in our experiences with praying and asking God in our lives, you know, to come in and to intervene, how many times have we failed to get an answer? Our Jesus didn't line up with our theology. And, and so we are a people that we tend to lean heavily on our experiences. Experiences are those things that we have already done in the past, that we have, you know, went through and, and all of these things that, uh, you know, so we have already reformed. We, we transform and reform and do over and stuff like that with our theology because we, we want to understand. We want to know what is going on. And so, I mean, privately, the disciples are with them. And he just says... Your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, move, you will say to the to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Has the Lord ever told you that? Have you ever had a a really big problem. One of the things we learned about scripture is that uh, mountains have come to, Jesus uses them in his teachings and all that to symbolize the hardships and the difficulties that uh, we have in life. And he promises us, he said, in, in this life you will have problems. And so we kind of, we, we want to realign our, our theology so that we can go out and we can be overcomers in Scripture. And yet, here they are. These guys, he's, they've already been sent out. They have actually cast out demons in their ministry. He sent out the 12. Then he sent out the 72. And, and so they know that that can be done. And so they're, they're puzzled. And he just says to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, in Scripture, Romans 12. Now, so you, you're going to find that there are some surprise Scriptures that may not come up on the uh, screen. And so it's kind of like Cracker Jacks. You just really don't know what you're getting. But in uh, Romans 12 and verse 3, he says, To think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us, those that are in the faith, those that have accepted Christ. He has given each one of us a measure of faith. Okay? And so he just tells them here, he says, all right, if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, anybody do any planting? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Have you ever held a mustard seed in your hand and you could barely see it? And so... The, the disciples, they're, they're weighing this. And he says, and it will move. You can actually, he didn't put this in here just to dangle a carrot out in front of us. He says, it is your unbelief that is the things that we will always have trouble with is our unbelief. And it's, it's so easy 
to attach ourselves to unbelief because it's not working. I heard this preacher say, or when I was younger, I heard this preacher say and all that. And now this guy is saying, I can speak to a mountain. Have you ever been to Mount Scott? Does anybody even care? <laughs> Mount Scott. Mount Scott's over by Lawton. And it, I mean, it is a nice mountain and, and all of that. And I could just see myself walking to the base of that thing and saying, you know what? If I'm going to get to the top of this mountain, I'm going to have to wind round and round and round. I think I'll just see if my faith works. And maybe he can transport me to the top because he did it for Philip. Why didn't he do it for Verlin? Yeah? And, and we come and we look at that. But I mean, just on the surface, it says that you will say to this mountain... And he is, he is giving them instruction for a lifetime, for their, their time as they are, are just transformed into apostles and they go out and they, they turn the world upside down for Christ. But he just says, you know, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So I need to know how can I deal with my unbelief. One of the things that Scripture tells us is He tells us, he, it says that you are to renew your mind. Renew it with what? Because there's, I mean, cable vision and all that stuff. There's all kinds of goodies on there, you know, and you have to define goodies. But we, we look at this. What can I do? to improve my faith. As a matter of fact, the disciples were concerned about this at one time just with Christ. And they said, Lord, increase. Increase my faith. Yeah. And yet, he just tells us here, if you can just have faith the size of a mustard seed. And when we got saved, he automatically imparted to each one of us a measure of faith and I, it's not talking about the saving faith yeah. it is for the, the 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 faith that i can come and that he has given the church body he has given them spiritual gifts and that we can have faith and i think that's what we need to be doing now Amen. in the time that we're in we need to say lord increase my faith help me to yes. understand the unbelief part Amen. what is it what is it that i'm not doing and, you know, sometimes we just need to talk to ourselves because, well, let's see, Berlin, how much time are you spending in the Word when you're not trying to piece together a sermon? How, how much time? Yeah. Are you just reading it to be reading it? Do you want to, you know, so you can get up in one of your messages and say, I read the whole, you know, the whole Bible uh, this weekend. <laughs> And so there would have to be a lot of unbelief going on in a congregation that would hear that. But it, it's, it's something that there are things happening to America that ought not happen. And this is the church's finest hour, and yet we are still asleep. Yeah, come on. I, 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 I would like to have a, an audience 
with a majority of, of the different sized churches, just the Assembly of God ministers, and say, what is going on with your family? What's going on in your church? Is there, I mean, an excitement? Because the pastor said, well, how are you this evening? I go, oh, I'm just, just here. You know, I'm not really excited. Why, why is that? Is it, is it because the things are happening that I wanted to happen, or are they not happening like I wanted them to happen? Because I heard some men of God say some stuff, and it's got to come to pass. Well, if it wasn't spoken to them by God, it doesn't. True. And so we just come and we look at that. The, the mountain, you can speak to it. But we have to come. We have to renew our mind in the Word. And I'm talking about in every aspect of the Word. And then as we go along in life, that when I come to a problem, that I can come and I can just look at the different things that has happened to me and my family and how I applied the beliefs that I have in God and how He worked them out in my life because that's important to me. But when I was pastoring, it was important to the family that I was, you know, co-shepherding. And so we need to look at this and we need to say, all right, Lord, we are needed. He says, I will deal with the earth through the manifold wisdom of the church. Yeah. And so He has given us these gifts, and if we will just renew our minds, if we, the inward man needs to be renewed, the outward man needs to be removed, or re, well, <laughs> removed and renewed, okay? Yeah. But uh, mountains have always, you know, just resented and represented problems to be solved and the difficulties to be dealt with. How many of you know or you need a healing in your body? Yeah. All right. Now, the first thing I need to do is I need to go to the Word of God and I need to understand now faith is the things that I am positive of. Yeah. Amen. And and it's interesting. I asked this question here a few months ago. I said, what is the opposite of faith? And I never did give you my answer. So tonight, what is the opposite of faith? Unbelief. Okay. No, it's, well, that's what it's boiled down into. It is sight. Faith are the things that we are assured of. I have confidence. This is what God's Word says. And so I need to go, and if I want healing in my body, then I need to go to the Word, and I need to start doing a Word search, a a, a Bible study, and and, and get... But that's one thing. I may not get back on this trail again, but how much money have we spent on learning and buying books that will help us understand Scripture, uh, getting a Bible that will just break it down so that I can understand it. Because you have to remember, I went to high school at Walters, Oklahoma, so I need all the help I can get because I just do good to read the, the books. that. So we have to just say, all right, just a minute. You know, if I'm going to spend eternity in heaven... And I don't know how long I'm supposedly promised 75 years and 
guess what age I am. Yeah. I'd like to, I was telling somebody the other day I was 73, but I lied. <laughs> I'm 75. So, but but what are we doing? How are we spending our time? Do we really care? Do we really want to have that belief? Do I really want my brothers and sisters that I go and assemble with, do I really want them to, I mean, just by leaps and bounds, go either, this is what I like about God, He will either take you through the mountain, or He will take you over the mountain, or He will take you under the mountain. And I'm not talking about throwing you under the bus, okay? That's, that's what it, he, if he wants to, he knows exactly what I need because he has in a book, he has in, the, in heaven a book that is about me. Yeah. And from the beginning, when he formed me in the womb to the very end, and he knows exactly what my outcome is. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can know. But sometimes I get discouraged. And you know what? When we get discouraged, that's the playground for the enemy to come in and mess with you. Amen. Because, oh, he, he loves messing with us. And I, I remember that uh, before I went into ministry, I was a machinist and went out to a new job at Siemens Alice, Wichita Falls. And there was this one guy, Ralph Van Belee. He was he was a neat guy, but he just looked at us and he said, Oh, you're his friend. Oh, I bet you're a Christian too. And I said, Yes, I am. He said, Well, let me tell you about your friend. I've already caused him to go back on drugs. And he was bragging about it. And so, I mean, one morning I was at the drill press and he was pressing me and, and I got angry. And sometimes I... You know, I know how to cuss because I was in the Navy. And uh, so I did. And Ralph was right there on the backside of that that uh, drill press. I knew it. I knew it. And right then, I just shut the drill press off. I said, Lord, forgive me. And then I looked at Ralph. I said, Ralph, forgive me for doing that. Well, he didn't like that. But that's what we have to do. We have to come and we have to... There's times in our lives that we just need to repent and say, God, help me. Help me to renew my mind. I need to know these things. You know, I need the Holy Spirit. I want at least one of the gifts of the Spirit operating in my life. I need that discerning of wisdom because of the things that are going on right now in my life because I want to be able to label stuff. How many like to label stuff? <laughs> I do. And, and, and so we look at that and he says, well, this, you know, this, this gift is not for, a, you know, a labeler, but this is for you. And then when things are being spoken or things happen around me, the Holy Spirit will come and he will let you know yes, he will. the inward man. That's yes. why we need to renew the yes. inward man. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man yes. is renewing day by day. And so we need to get back to the Word because there are a lot of things going on. And I'm not ready to give up on America yet. I'm not ready to, to give in to socialism or what, all that stuff. I want Jesus Christ 
to be made known, to yes. be renewed Amen. in the lives of America. Amen. Because our pastor Sunday morning, man, I was already putting some addendums to his message. God established, yes. He established the United States of America to be that light on a shining hill. And we were, and I mean, it, it was... It was a bright light. God worked into our lives. And I mean, we accomplished things and we are that light. But it's being dimmed now. And so we just need to come and say, God, renew my mind. I need healing. Yes. Do you remember a time when we, the AGs, didn't want to be known for the, the, uh, the, the word... You know, name it. I, well, this is what they called it. The name it and claim it. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Well, did you know that we can name it? Because if God names it, it's ours. And we have to claim it. He's not just automatically going to put that. Well, you know, Lord, you know how much I want that. No, you don't want it very bad because you're not renewing your mind in that area. You're not pursuing the things that I want you to pursue. And I'm not just going to give it to you because I have compassion on you. And He does love me. And this is what I like about the Father. The Father had the veil in the temple rent from the top yes. to the bottom. Amen. You know why? Yeah. Because He loves you. Amen. He loves me. And He wanted me to be able, instead of just the, the high priest going into, into the Holy of Holies once a year, He wanted us that we could come in boldly and confidentially and, and just say, Lord, you know, this is what I have needed. That's how much He loved yes. you and me. Amen. And it, it's awesome. He loves you. Yes, he, does. he loves me. And that's why He sent His Son. And what is beautiful is on the day of the resurrection, in Daniel it talks about that Jesus, Satan, and the saints of old were there standing before the Ancient of Days, the Father. And he looked at Satan. He looked at his son who had just been resurrected from all that cruel stuff that went on. And he looked at the saints who had been faithful. They were witnesses. And he said, Satan, you lose. Saints, you win. In other words, sin was defeated on resurrection Amen. day. It doesn't have anything on us now. Amen. We 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 don't we don't have to put up with that stuff. Now the the world does, they have to put up with it, but we were redeemed from that. Amen. And it's Thank exciting you, and so it's it's kind of like this. Faith can change your outlook. Yes. And if your outlook has been changed, it doesn't matter what's on the horizon. It don't look good tomorrow. Yeah. Well. And, and I could tell you why, but but my wife won't let me. What's on the horizon? What's there? You know, but faith can move mountains because faith can transform your outlook on life and it doesn't matter what's on the horizon. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so just to 
you know, I, I like the microphone and all that stuff, but I've, I've got too many free hands now. And I told Debbie, I said, you know, would you just come up and hold my hand because I'm used to holding the mic and watching. <laughs> she, that's why she went to back of the church. I think I know that guy up there, not sure. But this is, these are examples. And I love this. For the Israelites, there was no hope because they were in slavery. 400 years. If your, your, your ancestors have been doing things for 400 years, then now it's your turn to be in that. that slavery is all you know. Yeah. There was no hope. But I love this. But God created a new possibility. And who was that possibility? Yes. It was Moses. Amen. And Moses come around and Pharaoh's there and he had he had to let God's people go. Yeah. Faith can move mountains because faith enlarges the possibilities of our faith. Amen. And finally, faith can move mountains because we are connected. We have a relationship. We have a covenant. A better covenant than any other saint has ever had. We have the, a better covenant. Amen. And faith can move mountains because we are connected to the mover of the mountain. Amen. Jesus was transfigured on a mountain. Crucified on a mountain called Calvary. Yeah, we serve a mountain. God. Do you know what El Shaddai means? God of the mountain. God loves the mountains. It, I mean, He created, you know, before creation, God's there and He looks out and He said, there's nothing out here. So He created something. The next time you face an impossible mountain, Tell it that the God of the mountain says to move. It's not in your strength. It's in your faith in God. And so when you face that, you know, the the health issues, and, and we will all face those throughout life, just tell your poor health that the God of healing says move. Amen. That's it. And... He has told us. He has given us a great and precious promise. He said, you can speak to this mountain, but you have to deal with and this father. Later on, in, oh, I think it's over in, in Luke or, or in Mark, that the father comes and, he's, you know, and he just kneels down in front of Jesus and he worships him. And he said, you know what? You know, Jesus just healed my unbelief. And that's what the church needs to experience. A national, well, a worldwide, but a national, just a renewing of who God is and that He is the God of healing. And He says, help, move. You know what sometimes we do? We, we kind of, well, I prayed this way and it didn't work, so I'm going to pray this way. And uh, so I just... You know, I, I just don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something new. I heard this guy 
that you know had holes in his jeans and I remember when I used to have holes in my jeans when I was you know growing up and but my mom had sense enough to put patches on my, my jeans anyway that's another message that that's that's you know I'm not a uh, well anyway we won't go there tell your mountain so I want you to think for me what is the greatest mountain that you are facing tonight because scripture very plainly says you if you're there and you gather together and there are two or three in the midst at the church at the gathering at your home wherever it is at the temple at in the synagogue where two or three are gathered in my name yes you see the disciples and the apostles got in trouble because they used Jesus' name too freely. Yeah. And they were turning the world upside down. <laughs> and let me tell you, the religious folk didn't like that because they wanted to turn up, you know, or turn it upside down or whatever. But all we have to do, tell your mountain, what is that thing? And just while Les plays something, I just, I just want us to, just in our own, just right where we are, just say, mountain? I'm not telling God. I'm telling you, mountain. Healing, I'm telling you, move. Because my Father, my Lord and my Savior, loves me so much that He said, you know, you're to die for. You ever heard that term? You know, it was usually said about girls. You know, she's just, she just to die for. It's about His body. Us, the church. He said, we are just to die for. And so I don't know about you, but like I said, you take that greatest thing and you tell that mountain to move because we have a relationship with God. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. I thank you for that that you have created. I thank you that you sent your Son that we could have life and we can have it to the full. And if we will learn to deal with the things that come and just gets in our way, faith doesn't constrict, but it enlarges the possibilities. And tonight I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded Faith is now. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I can't see it yet, but I know that I know that I know because the Word tells me. And I can rest in assurance. And I lay hold of that Word. And I apply it in my life. And I renew my mind. But your word says something else. We didn't want to be in that camp where it says name it and claim it. But tonight, it, it doesn't matter about the camp. What matters is that you're in our midst. And you want to do mighty things in our life. But you're not going to, you know, just spoil us or whatever. But you're wanting us to draw close. And your word says that if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. And nothing 
is impossible. <laughs> Nothing. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for, for providing for my healing, for those things they have need of. Thank you. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for giving us the grace to speak to our mountains. And so we give you thanks and before it happens, we rejoice in you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So thank you, Lord, first off, for saving my soul and for that covenant that you have made with each one of us. It is beyond, it's beyond measure. And we rejoice in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And help us that as we get up tomorrow morning and we look out, we know that America is facing a mountain. But we've been reminded again of who the mountain mover is. And it's not in government. It's you, Lord. It's you, Father. It's you, Holy Spirit, working in and through the church. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.